Dystopia Tonight. I'm super excited to have the guest on. I've followed her for a very long time. Um, she is an incredible comedy documentarian. She's got awesome projects coming up. Um, she's got a one out now called Too Soon, um, Comedy After 9-11, which is fucking amazing. If uh, you guys haven't seen it yet, it, it, it's just, it's, it's really incredible. And it just, I think, really kind of encompasses you know, everything that comedians are. I mean, we had Mike Binder on talking about the uh, Bob Saget, um, basically the funeral that he filmed and stuff like that. And that was a nice glimpse into how comedians handle, you know, the death of a friend and kind of tragedy in a way. And this is like, just, just, it's crazy watching all that kind of stuff go down after something like that happened. Um, she's also um, a comedy journalist as well. And I want to talk to her about that. I can't wait because she seems to be the only comedy journalist that actually enjoys comedy. Um, so, so let's bring out Julie Seba. <laughs> What's up? You. It's funny because you were, uh, I don't want this to be too depressing, but you're like talking about <laughs> some of my projects I do. And I'm like, no, that one's depressing. That one's depressing. <laughs> They're all depressing. <laughs> yeah. But that's kind of the sweet spot that I like why I like comedy so much. It, it, it does make, you know, the processing, the depressing a little easier you know especially like with too yeah. soon after 9-11 and yeah. um yeah um I'm, I'm trying to think of something i've done in the past couple of years that's not depressing and i'm coming up a little short <laughs> 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 i think do you think it's only depressing like surface level wise though because even when i was a kid and i was a huge fan of comedy and i would watch stuff like that or even like you know anytime you're kind of watching the a comedy a comedian's life it gets pretty sad but i always twisted like I, I in a twisted way i found it uplifting because i was like wow this person's gone through so much shit and yet they were able to you know generate like uh good feelings among people who watch them and laughter and stuff like that out of it i i kind of took it as a positive i never really you know it, it'd be a sad thing i guess on the outside but i was like oh this is kind of great to know that you can turn your garbage into something into like you know jewels yeah like for me it's even less about like joke and laugh and more about <clears throat> you know what was happening in the comics life when they're <clears throat> making when they're writing this material the context what is it they're trying to convey you know what is it they're trying to you know push through society like that yeah. kind of stuff's way more important on the artistic side of it uh and why it's like such an important art form to me that yeah absolutely just like saying something funny that any number of comedians could have said. Right. It's, it's all about the uniqueness and the perspective and, you know, just using comedy to, to deal with shit. Because there's oh, a God. lot of shit. Like it's I always I always respected comics for being able to do that. Mm -hmm. And over the years I'm now like, well, what does it say about me? Yeah. That yeah. I'm drawn to the darkest comedy right. possible. Yeah. It like, so we're at my, you know, my, my dad's funeral, a couple of my friends are there and they got there early or whatever. And we're in the, you know, there's like the main lobby where everybody kind of hangs out and then you go into the viewing room and you're sitting in there or whatever. And the viewing room, I swear to God, was like an icebox. And one of my friends was already feeling like, God, it's so fucking cold in here. What is going on? And I was like, because if he fucking thaws out and wakes up, he's going to kill us all. Like, it's the first thing I said and I didn't even, and, and they were just like, Jesus, dude. And I was like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm so sorry. Like, I'm just kidding around. But they were like, not used to like, they were like really solemn at the moment. And I was just like, I just want to get through <laughs> this day as yeah. easily as possible. So you, so it seems like you kind of had the compulsion to like insert some levity oh, yeah. into it. Like that was your gut reaction in the comic to like, 
How can yeah. I say something to take away? Exactly. When I, and, that, and it didn't feel completely normal. I mean, like my family's pretty good with like telling stories and stuff like that um, and whatever. But it, and I had a few comedy buddies show up. And then when they like that was like when we were just started talking about like the worst possible shit. And it felt like kind of semi normal to me to like go aside and like just really kind of dig into what was happening around me and stuff like that. So it was nice. Yeah, there's there's nothing like comedy to uh, make you sad as hell, but get you through the other side. Yeah, too. absolutely. Um, yeah. Did you, uh, I read something that you said, basically, you started to get into this because of Dave Attell. He came to your college in like 2003, <laughs> and that's when you kind of yeah. like fell in love with it. Uh, yeah, so I grew up on a farm in Missouri, mm -hmm. uh, about two hours, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, about two hours <laughs> south of St. Louis, uh, a little more near the Arkansas border than St. Louis. Uh, so that's like where I'm from. Uh, wow. There was no cable TV. There was, you know, this was before all the social media, all that stuff. Uh, so I didn't really know what comedy was entirely until I went to the University of Missouri School of Journalism. <clears throat> oh, wow. And uh, then my senior year while I was there, Attell came and did a show and I was already uh, writing about like film and music stuff at that point because that's mm -hmm. what I knew. It was more familiar to me. Right. And this this was the height of Insomniac on Comedy Central. Oh, so good. So it was like a yeah. big deal for Attell to be coming to this little Missouri college town. Mm -hmm. And I interviewed him beforehand on the phone. And uh, there was a little article on the, the, <laughs> the student alt weekly that I did. And then I got to go backstage. Uh, at Jesse Auditorium was the mm. venue with a couple other journalism friends, and nice. um, he's like, we, "Where where do we go party?" Because <laughs> again, this is Insomniac era. Right. He doesn't drink anymore, but at the time, yeah. you know, we went across the street uh, to the Heidelberg Bar, and everybody was sitting in the Jaeger shots, <laughs> like <laughs> Jaeger, <laughs> and he obviously can't drink them all himself so he was like sharing them with us got nice. drunk yeah. uh, i i kind of woke up on my friend dan's bathroom floor the next day like <laughs> this, this comedy thing's interesting <laughs> there's something to this comedy yeah yeah that i really like and nobody was covering it in a real journalistic way at that point in time uh, it was usually kind of thrown in with the music coverage or like the calendar blurbs, uh, mm -hmm. especially in the era of the alternative weeklies. Yeah. You know, every city had their, their major ones. So yeah. Yeah. After I graduated, I moved immediately to New York, um, started working, doing freelance stuff with all weeklies. Nice. Um, eventually I got picked up by the new times media chain for a fellowship. Uh, wow. then it turned into the, village voice chain mm -hmm. now it's probably yeah. nothing because uh, <laughs> all that stuff yeah yeah that was a, that was a different journalism era um oh, man. not so much the same anymore but yeah that that was the start of it and uh you know what what a good person to gravitate towards oh, of a tell getting you in the comment like i can't complain yeah he's no that's he's the fucking best and he's exactly. so funny and smart um he i got i got to do he was doing the porn awards and, um, <laughs> yeah. or like, oh, yeah. <laughs> the AVN, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I got to, uh, I did a show with him and um, I didn't have, I didn't even have as much hair as I do now, but I, I met him for the first time. He was super nice. 
and we're doing like a tag team thing and I introduce him and he gets on stage and he just immediately like starts shitting on me because I have more hair than like, just like, and I, and I love, I like, there's nothing bad. Like people don't understand. Like there was, it wasn't like it was, you know, I was just like great ear to ear grinning, laughing my ass off. Cause yeah. the dude I used to watch when I was in high school on Insomniac was just tearing me like a new asshole for like the first, first five minutes on stage. And I was like, and that kind of stuff yeah. carries you when you were a young comic too, because you're just like, I'm in the thing. <laughs> I, yeah. I had to, you know, yay. And like, yeah. it was, it was just so fucking awesome. But he's like the coolest dude ever. There was uh so, so I had my 40th birthday roast, uh, which is the one thing I've ever done, like as a public party thing. And mm -hmm. also kind of a, my own comedy i've never done comedy don't want to do comedy i get okay. asked all the time mm -hmm. uh the one thing i ever did was my 40th birthday roast at the comedy store and nice. Attell happened to be in town and he came in and was and i was like he, he didn't really roast me mm -hmm. um i i i understand the feeling you have of like oh dave Attell. like he, he just did a little bit mm -hmm. um yeah. But then I got to like do my final rebuttal and I was like telling David tell jokes oh, <laughs> that nice. I wrote of, of like when I, uh, this is only when I can remember it's terrible, but like when I have sex dreams about David tell, I wake up covered in hummus. <laughs> I, yeah. Um, but that was like a full circle. Like a is here. And he gave yeah. me a card. He gave me a birthday card. Oh my oh. God. It was so sweet. That is like, sweet. Oh, I love wow. him so much. <laughs> he's such a nice guy. That's what I think that's awesome too about him. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's such a good dude. Yeah. And he, he basically, like, all his money here and some comedy, he, like, uses to take care of his mom. And yeah. It's just, yeah, he's, he's, he's a real sweetheart, though he doesn't want anybody to know that. That's what I was going to say. He hates, yeah. like, this has got to be cut out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately, it's nothing I can do about it. It's just the law. It's comedy law. Um, that's fucking great. Do you think that there's like, so, because I did, I said in the beginning that you're, uh, you know, a comedy journalist that actually likes comedy. And I feel like you've been in it so long, you had to have seen like a shift in it. Do you think it's weird that like, because I was, I was trying to talk about this with somebody else, how basically like after a period of time, people didn't know how to cover comedy. Like you, you've been doing it for so long, but you can tell you care about it. You know what I mean? Like when you write something, you care about the craft, the art, the person that's involved in it. It's detailed. It's layered. It's not just clickbait. Like it's in depth. Um, and then for a while I felt like, you know, comedians were always in the news all the time, but it was mostly like gossipy shit where they would turn comedians against it. So it was like anybody that was stealing. And yeah. there was all those, those weird websites that were dedicated to like, the fandoms of who ripped off who and kind of trying to get like whatever, especially like I started in like 2005. So like, that was when like, you know, that was like the, the height of all that kind of shit. And then it shifted from that to like, um, comedians almost kind of canceling each other. You know what I mean? Or like everybody kind of commenting on who should apologize for what. And they cover, they cover comedy in a way that's like, if it's not justice, then, then, you know, this person needs to stop talking and not have a mic. Like that's how they seem to cover comedy now. And I find it that's very rare uh, that people cover it in a way that's actually has anything to do with the jokes or who, who or their craft or their creative process or their other endeavors. Does that drive you crazy as somebody who like <laughs> you started like like you really care about what you write about? Yeah. So I started in 2003 is when I uh, 
I took an extra semester in college <laughs> and nice. moved to New York January of 2003. So I was just like right before you started. Mm -hmm. And at that point in time, like <clears throat> you could, you kind of knew who every professional comedian was. Yeah. And you knew when every special and every album was coming out and you could keep track of it all. And now it's just completely overblown and who who's a comedian who's not a professional comedian like i i call myself a comedian do you make money no <laughs> like what you like there it's all very nebulous of what the comedy industry is these days and a lot yep. of it's like you said uh reactionary coverage yeah. i would call it or yeah or, or like the podcast of like who said what on this podcast yeah. and like i can't be bothered with a lot of that at this right. point I uh, fought for, so I've, I've been doing this 19 years now, and I fought long and hard to sort of uphold journalistic ethics, tradition, you know, you have to, uh, th there are certain steps you have to take before you accuse people of doing things or sure. all this stuff. Like, you learn how to actually have journalistic ethics. Yeah. And that's not... I I couldn't tell you a single journalist who went to journalism school anymore. Yeah. And like you said, it is, uh, yeah, it, it's very clickbaity. Yeah. Um, very much just trying to, um, I, I can't help, but this is going to get me in so much trouble, but I can't help but think of like Vulture when you're talking yep. about this sort of stuff. I mean, I was thinking the same shit. Of, uh, you know, they, they now have this, uh, I don't know, not an axe to grind, but like, these are the good people and these are the bad people. Yes. And these are the teams we're taking in comedy. Mm -hmm. And it's a sort of symptom of wider journalistic failings. Right. Uh, where <clears throat> it's, it's not about, you know, the white and black of the teams. Yeah. And who's and who's winning and who's right. losing? Like the world is an extremely gray place. Yeah, absolutely. And you can't just make these rules and say that everyone has to follow them, specifically within comedy of like, no, you can't laugh at this, but this is okay. Right. You can't you can't tell somebody what they can can and cannot laugh at. Yeah. Yeah. That was especially that was a no, big part of too soon also yeah of you know when when comics are trying to come back after 9 11 and you know comics react to things that are happening in the news they react to what they're feeling personally and we saw a lot of like you can't mention 9 11 at all yeah, yeah sort of things or if you do you can't say and to me it's just this kind of historic study in like comedy is always going to be offensive to some people yes and that's never going to change no. but that's also how we kind of push society forward too yeah absolutely. in a way if you think of the the richard priors and the carlins and you know the, right. the different transitions and evolutions they have and you can kind of see yeah. the societies following them along those lines too yeah, it's so, weird to me that we haven't like gotten a chance to manage that exactly. Like, I feel I don't. I, you can tell me if this is incorrect too, because you're you're kind of you know re researching all that and you're out there in a different way. But like, I feel like comedians are kind of getting like we're getting a better better handle on it too, because I think in the beginning, 
you know, any press we could get, because we didn't get much. I think, especially over time, I think the comedians didn't get, you know, a lot of attention for anything. And then all of a sudden you're getting written about and you're like, well, I don't give a fuck what we're getting written about as long as we're in this, uh, you know, blog post and people are talking about us, right? And uh-huh. it's driving up some sales. And then it started to get to the point where it, it inhibited what we were saying and doing. And I think we were like, well, okay, now I don't, like, that's not what I fucking want. Like, as much as I like being talked about. And now it seems to be, you know, I don't know, for better or worse, I guess, I, I hate the constant talk of cancel culture. I really do. Cause I think they kind of like when I hear Bill Maher do it every fucking, you know, week, you kind of get tired of it. But I also am kind of, I'm like, it's kind of a necessary thing. Cause it, it got so out of hand in one direction, you know, and so ridiculous that you kind of forced um, these, their hands to, to kind of constantly address it. Cause they feel like they can't work. And if they're not pushing back against it, then who, you know, and, they, and these are the people with the huge platforms to do it. So on one hand, it's like, God, I wish we could just go back to fucking talking about something else. On the other hand, I'm like, oh, I'm kind of glad they're addressing it in a way, because if they're not going to do it, then no one else is. And I think that's what's shifting the tide. But I do think we're getting to get better handle on like how handling that kind of press. Where we're like, yeah, you can write about me there, but I'm not going to fucking stop working or apologize for whatever. Yeah. And I don't know. Do you feel like that's it's kind of shifting? You... I mean, I'm not, again, I'm not a comic, but as, as I see comics dealing with this, I sort of feel like you also have to make this decision for yourself of, uh, what am I going to give a fuck about? Yeah, uh, look, yeah. look at, look at me letting loose. I am right. going there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's the place to do it. Yeah. Like, so you can control your own social media, you have your podcasts, your YouTube pages, you can control how you're put out there into the world. And if people are like, man, I don't like me. So this, you have to make that choice of like, are you going to give a fuck about that or not? Right. And on the opposite side of the coin, it's like, well, I, I, I do want to, you know, appeal to a lot of people Mm. and I want to have a good career, but do you really yeah, want to yeah. appeal to everybody right or do you just want to appeal to the ones that really get you yeah, you yeah. Know, the, the hardcore fans um, absolutely do you want to be playing in a stadium you know however many feet away from the audience or do you want to be down in the comedy cellar in that low basement with yeah pe- with people who are just like loving to right. see you in that intimate space yeah. So those are kind of the decisions you have to make in order to sort of preserve that side of your brain in a way. Right. I feel like like that's related to like I don't read a lot of comedy journalism at all. I don't care who's in the news. I'm trying to just really focus on what I'm interested in. Yeah. And mm. make these projects as good as they can be from, you know, a journalism background perspective. And I can't. Somebody will ask me about, oh, dude, what do you what did you think of the Dave Chappelle on SNL? And I'm like, <laughs> I'll I'll get to it. I haven't watched it, but I don't really care. <laughs> and then I'm, yeah. and then I'm at the gym. I'm at the gym, and he's the headline on CNN. <laughs> and Judy Gold comes on today, and she's talking about it. And I love you. And I'm just like, I don't. Like, I don't really care about this major yeah. controversy. It's so fucking funny that like, so one of my, so um, I know what you mean. And it's kind of, but it's great that Judy Gold was like getting out there, like talking about it or whatever. 
So when uh, Ariel Elias, uh, you know, got that whole thing happen to her at the comedy club, uh, that piece of shit room in fucking Point Pleasant, um, I'm no feelings on it. Uh, but anyway, they, uh, but they got, you know, NBC reached out to me and uh, and like a couple other comics. And when she came on to do this, we were talking about it. I was like, by the way, thank you for giving us something to talk about uh, <laughs> so we could get our names out there a little bit. Because it is so funny, like, we, you know, what are we going to say about it? But anytime, like any news organization, like, Hey, you want to talk about your friend? Uh, <laughs> this other thing happened to in comedy. And you're like, yeah, I could use some TV time to, <laughs> to plug my own shit and, you know, and do whatever. It's so, it's such a weird mixed bag, but I think that like, I like that people aren't, you know, comedians anyway, aren't taking it as seriously. I don't think unless, you know, a Democrat's in danger of not winning an election. Uh, and then they have to go out there and tweet about it or whatever. But even yeah. that's like kind of funny to me. Like I politics is not like I'm, you know, I, everybody knows the way I lean uh, and whatever, but I just don't, I think there's this weird thing where um, the connection to the audience, like, like, especially like the Twitter audience or whatever it is. Like if, if people get into my personal life or they want me to do something because of it, I swear to fucking God, I'll do the opposite out of spite. Like, <laughs> I'm not like, I, I hate when anybody assumes I'm on their team and that could just be the comedy or, you know, anti, whatever it is. I just fucking, I'm like, you don't get to decide for me what I feel and think and who I should mm. be. You know, it's insane. I think they have, I think people have like, you know, you know what I love about uh, this kind of stuff is I read something recently and I didn't know about it, but um, Bob Newhart was interviewed um, somewhere. Damn it. Don't remember where, but Did he was asking it? about his, <laughs> probably, probably his, uh, but about his favorite comedians and he loves Andrew Dice Clay. <laughs> Who would have fucking thought, right? But what I really like about it, it makes me laugh, is that on the outside of that is their audiences are two separate teams. And if if you ever went to Bob's audience and was like, oh, you want to go see Dice Clay? They'd be like, whoa, he's a piece of... And Bob loves... Because com- artists love other artists. Comedians love other comedians. Musicians love musicians. You and like, But it's all the outside audience that has like a team that they're like, oh, my guy's better than your guy. And we're all fucking hanging out drinking. And not give me shit. I don't know what I just said in the last two minutes, but I'm sure somewhere <laughs> we'll clip it. Was, it. Well, it's well, also like comedians on stage are, you know, being sort of a exaggerated, amplified version of themselves yeah, too. Yeah, absolutely. Things you say on stage are meant to be yeah. shocking, ironic, right. make you think, and it's not a cut the quote and and you know uh just just list that as the coverage they said this but it's like there's so much more that goes into what it means than just taking this is the joke oh my god like there's the mood in the room and if the audience in the room is loving it you know from all the diverse different backgrounds like you have no idea who's in your audience yeah you're just trying to make people laugh absolutely and and the, go ahead. I was, yeah, no, I was gonna say that's the funny thing is like I I get people who like people who don't either go to comedy shows or, or whatever they'll ask they'll just see some something in the news or read like a clip on Facebook of like like comedians are in trouble or or like there's all this stuff going on we can't do anything and I'm just like man I was just I just did the University of Kentucky and it was fucking phenomenal I don't know what you're talking about like they're like it's it's just kind of fine like I I like going like. People go to comedy clubs are usually pretty chill, like nine times out of 10 and everybody's having a good time. And, you know, uh, I don't, I don't think anybody takes anything too seriously, but for whatever reason, like if you're just comedy on the internet, you've, you've, uh, you've 
got your teams and you're not allowed to stray from them. And yeah. it's like the John Mulaney thing was fucking wild and fascinating how they took it personally that he, uh, that he left his wife. And I was like, you don't know, like, like he's a person who, who gives a fuck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I don't, is, I just, uh, again, like, I don't, I, uh, stop me from going back to Vulture all the time, but like, do it up. We'll, we'll call it Vox. I'll dub you over and notice <laughs> Say the word Vox and I'll put it over so it looks like you spread it around. Or like V asterisk pound sign. <laughs> like, <laughs> edit out the name Vulture. Yeah. Uh, so I'm non-searchable. But <laughs> <laughs> um, that was so funny. I forgot what I was going to say. Um, <laughs> what the fuck was I going to say? Yeah, there's, I don't something about the effect that like there's a ton of comics on a show even and you can like this one better than this one but is, yeah. is it worth is it worth having a fight over <laughs> yeah. like would you have a fight in a comedy club over which one is better that oh makes no sense right and that's what the expanded version is doing on the internet yeah like just like what you like laugh you know support who you want to support and just fucking leave people alone, man. There's so much stress and so, so much anxiety, and like we just need to like use yeah. whatever we can uh, to get through this shit. I and, completely agree. Yeah. But um, I feel like the whole world's turning into the WWF, right? So now it's a heel or a good guy <laughs> or a bad guy. You choose your side and let's go at it. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, and obviously, social media has a lot to do with it, but yeah, uh, we'll we'll see. I don't. The, the, Twitter thing is going to be interesting. Yeah, I had yeah. actually, uh, I left Twitter in the spring this year after the Chris Rock slap. <laughs> and every, and I see the responses of like, good for him for defending his woman. Oh, and I'm just like, I don't think I'm supposed to be on here anymore. Yeah. <laughs> this is not, this I, is too, too insane. It is. And I really, like, that's the thing that bothers me about it though, too, is I fucking hate the, the uh, performative shit, like, I posted something on my Instagram about it because I didn't want to tweet about it because I thought that would be kind of slightly hypocritical. But I was just like, I know, I was like, I'm going to, nope. Um, so I'll go to the other one that'll fuck me eventually. Uh, so I was like, I, um, but I was like, you know, all these celebrity accounts, because there's a lot of people that like also follow them too. And I'm like, dude, all these celebrity accounts, Alec, fucking all of them, every single one of them that's like tweeting about like the destruction of Twitter and, you know, potentially leaving or whatever. I'm like, they should all, if they all just fucking, it's the same thing as any other corporation or organization. If you stop giving them money and stop feeding the goddamn beast. So put your fucking, you know, tweets where your mouth is and leave. All of you, every verified account, every celebrity showboating, all that other shit, just fucking leave Twitter and go start somewhere else. Everybody will follow you there. That's the whole point of it. And then you could, you know, bankrupt Elon or leave it and let it become another truth social or whatever you want. But they won't do it because they can still advertise on there and they can still pretend like Rob Reiner can still pretend that he fucking, you know, is changing minds. And I like Rob. I don't have anything against Rob Reiner, by the way. Um, we'll block out Vulture and Rob Reiner together. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, not that he's watching uh, or knows me or cares. <laughs> but like, you know, he's dead now, too, isn't he? Maybe is he? <laughs> maybe, no, maybe. Car no. Carl Reiner. Carl Reiner. Reiner. Oh shit! Yeah, I was like, oh, did I just mention a dead guy? No, That's Rob fucking Reiner. weird. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you something about Rob Reiner. Um, I was thinking about Carl Reiner. <laughs> yeah, Carl's dead. Yeah, that guy's dead. Yeah. Um, hilarious though. Um, but uh, <laughs> he made yeah. summer rental with John Candy. I can't be mad at the guy. Um, but uh, <laughs> That's cool. 
Yeah, right? Oh, I love that movie. It's so I love John Candy, period. Yeah. But anyway. Well, that's part of the whole, like, cancel culture discussion, too, I guess. Um, in terms of, like, following the money. Like, you can't... Right. If, if, if a comic is canceled, are they? Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> like, everyone who... You know, the, the, the Louis C.K.'s and Brian Callens and, you know, right. they're they they're canceled and they're still touring <laughs> and yet right there's still like i'm not sure what the you know they're canceled officially in the books yeah with with no like practical uh way of seeing what that means because there isn't really it's well, it's yeah. it's selling tickets it's you know making movies sure. money for reps um mm -hmm. And if you're not making people money, then you're canceled. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know? Like it has nothing to do with your perspective or ethics on certain subjects. It's all yeah. about money. Absolutely. And for a while, the delusion was that that particular group of people who was overly offended by a lot of different shit, depending on the day, was the one that could change brands. And because now you're, they're seeing that that's not really the case then the corporations, the companies are coming back going like, well, you know, this guy, everybody deserves a redemption story. And it's, you know, it's always tug of war with capitalism and stuff. Like I always think when people talk about cancel culture, they're not, everybody's always talking about a different thing because mm. some cancel culture is literally just a felony. And, <laughs> and that guy <laughs> has, that's it. Right. Like it's not really cancel culture. It's just but but those people who are like it's crime, it's crime, it's yeah. just crime. And then they've learned to manipulate the thing because they see that it's something that everybody can talk about. And they're like, oh, I'm getting it, too. And you're like, no, I think you I think you stabbed someone. I, think that's pretty <laughs> bad. I don't want to you know, I think that was what it was. And then the other side of it is is just um, something you, you don't like the way they're talking or speaking about a certain topic. And maybe they're not with you know, the times, and then they want them to be, can't like, you know, um, I don't know, anybody who says anything that you don't, anybody who jokes around anything that you don't agree with is automatically not, is uh, canceled. They wanted to cancel Mulaney because he fucking cheated on his, or they, they think he cheated on his wife. It's just ridiculous, you know, shit. It's like that dude who, um, what's the fucking band? I don't even know the name. This is going to also show my age. I don't know the name of this band, like a pop band. The guys, uh, the Fall guys. Ugh, I don't know if that's what they're called. Did I make that up? I may have made it up. Fall Out Boy? Nope. Uh, I know them. Come on. That's my, uh, that's my people. I don't know this fucking guy anyway. And, uh, but it was like a whole uproar because he did cheat on his wife and they were like, I went to see you because I thought you were like, you know, like it was like this whole article about like why he's not a wife guy. And I'm like, is that the Maroon 5 guy? No, that, no, the remember. guy that genuinely looks like a, I mean, I, I don't care either way, but he looks like a piece of shit. Oh. <laughs> like, no, but even then I don't care about that kind of stuff. Like, so he slid into someone's DMs like n name me someone who hasn't like you know what i mean like it's just that, like th just the audacity of like anybody like pretending they're not they haven't been stupid fucking horny at some point and tried to hit on somebody they should like are we not people anymore like especially it's if you have like you know some sort of uh you know public profile and fame yeah. and i'm i'm sorry to break the news to you but famous people be fucking yeah, <laughs> like, people throw themselves yeah. at famous yeah. people. Yep, and they're gonna take up some of them. I'm sorry, that's just human nature. Absolutely, don't, yeah. don't know what to tell you.
It's insane to me that they think at some point any man in history has been like, no, 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 no pussy for me. I'm full. You know what I mean? Like that he's ever gonna be like, no, thank you. I've really had my fill at 40 or whatever how old they are. But like, it's just insane. Like it's, it's weird that that's a thing that they expect people to suddenly do out of the blue. And I'm like, ah, I don't know. Like, I, I just, a... go ahead. Sorry. No, 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 please. Um, a couple of years ago, I was going to try to uh, start like a Bill Cosby podcast with somebody else. And I almost choked. I almost made me spit. I had a mouthful of vitamin water. <laughs> the idea was, um, you know, like rewatch podcasts can be pretty popular for the fans of the original shows. Yeah, yeah. I loved the Cosby show. Yep. In Missouri, mm. like this was the only black person I saw. So, <laughs> <laughs> and it was great. I, I did. This was before I didn't even know he was a stand up comic. This I didn't know what comedy was, you know, stand up comedy was at this point. It was just the funniest freaking show right a great family and uh i wanted to do a rewatch podcast and every show would have a guest and give their take about bill cosby of mm -hmm. can we divide art from artist yeah because because this is clearly still hilarious oh yeah absolutely but yeah you know yeah of course and that's kind of you know the gray area with like everything there's there's when uh, I, I did a LA Week or a LA Times article earlier this summer about uh, all the female bookers kind of coming into power after the pandemic and really reshifting the LA comedy scene right. for the better, and yeah. I got some hate mail about how uh, two of the ones I would not have expected expected uh they were like you can't use these people they they book pedophiles and rapists oh and it wasn't some of the more like the improv still books some people i maybe wish they wouldn't but right. that's deal with your own shit yeah what are you putting into the world right like don't control other people's you know it's like well, this person is doing this, and this person is doing this, and they're also like a female comedy booker who's really letting on a, a bunch of diverse artists to their shows. Right. So what do you? Yeah. What do you want and done it, here? Exactly, and it's never going to be. I, I really don't know if it's their attempt to stay relevant and in the news sometimes, or if it's just this impulsive thing that social media brings out, where they feel compelled to like say a thing that's on their mind instantly. I don't know what it is, but for the most part, it's like, you're never going to get pitch perfect shit. So like, please, for the love of God, can we take at least something, what we can get? If some people are doing great stuff and they're booking diverse shows and then they happen to book something you don't like, you don't have, they don't have to go away. Yeah. Like it's just, you don't, you don't have don't, to write me hate mail for it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's not, and plus it's not your fucking fault for God. You know what I mean? Like Jesus yeah. Christ. You're only oh, there's my on. dog. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> what's up, buddy? Hi, oh my God. What a sweetie. Hey. <laughs> Just whips around like, could you guys keep it down? He's like wrapped <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah, adorable. Um, God, I love dogs. He's um, a very sensitive boy. What a baby. Yeah, my cat was just in here, but he peaced out right as I was like, I started to close the door and he got up and he's like, wait, wait, I know this is gonna take like two fucking <laughs> like and we just um yeah, there, there's a oh God, what the fuck was I gonna say now? I'm uh, I got distracted by a dog. Uh, <laughs> um it's uh what are we talking about we're talking about uh comedy bookers uh yeah lady oh, bookers hate i remember me. now 
Great. Hate mail. So I, was, I had this band on um, from Canada, these two dudes, their brothers, twins, uh, called Retrofile. But they, they do this little podcast thing on the side. Like, I think they're just posting it on their Instagram right now. But basically decided to do what they do in car rides to shows or whatever is just talk about music. And they had this one where they were talking about Michael Jackson. And I particularly liked it because they didn't fucking once mention or feel the need to say anything about like all the crazy shit, obviously, that everybody knows about already. They just talked about the music, you know, when they were kids, like whatever the hell it is. And we were talking about that a little bit. And I was like, yeah, it gets kind of annoying because I'll have people on the show and they're, you know, older comics or whatever of the generation who loved a Cosby or somebody who's whatever. And like every other sentence now, they feel compelled to be like, you know, and, and Cosby, well, I know, you know, I don't agree. And I'm just, and you're like, you don't have like, I'm your reader Rudner. I'm pretty fucking sure you're not a mom. You know what I mean? Like no one's going to think whatever. And, yeah. but I don't like that, that you cannot just talk about anything like that without having to like yeah. virtue. I hate saying virtue signal, but you know what I mean? It's like, you know, you have to send out like a, a flare gun. That's like, I'm all right. You know, yeah. Just a heads up. I'm doing okay. I, I haven't, you know, it, it's insane. I don't like that people feel like that. It's hard to have a conversation. Yeah, it's like, oh, you haven't completely erased him from your mind altogether. <laughs> what kind of horrible person are you? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, not... yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, and and that's like, I don't know. I feel like did these people not grow up with people in their family who had like, like I don't know, like a fucking not clean slate? I don't know. Like, don't you? It, it's I'm like, is ever? Do you just stop talking to your uncle who went to prison? I don't know. Like, I was dying a, to see where you were going with that. <laughs> yeah, your uncle. Yeah. You, do you not talk to your uncle who diddled you as a child? I mean, come on. Yeah. He was gentle. He was, you know, he he bought you happy the meals best and shit. ice cream. The, uh, you know, and it. I mean, I know, probably wouldn't talk to somebody like that. No, yeah, 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 no, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Let's all do the flare gun thing. I Just wouldn't for either. the record, what he did was wrong. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he for the a, record, I'm against it. Yeah, but he, but he runs a great Saturday poker game. So honestly, I can't complain. Uh, just kidding. That's not, I don't even play. Tom plays. Uh, <laughs> distancing myself from something I just made up. I'm like, I actually don't even know. Uh, it's not real, but I would never attend it. Um, yeah, it's just, no, that, the, <laughs> the whole world is kind of just insane. Um, do you, uh, do you still enjoy, <laughs> like when you're doing these documentaries and stuff like that, how much time do you spend? Um, you know, with the person, do you feel like you need to spend a, a certain amount of time with them or is your research all back-end stuff? Uh, I mean, it's, it definitely varies depending what the project is. Um, I'm also, I'm doing a book with Byron Bowers right now. Nice. Uh, a memoir of like his early life. Oh, and shit. Yeah. Because um, I've been, I, I kind of was following him since, uh, I the first time I wrote about him was in 2013, and then I did like a Playboy piece on him when he was on The Shy, wow. and from that one, that's when he started talking about his dad. And I'm like, you have a book in you about like growing up with a schizophrenic father, and <laughs> um, he Byron was molested by the babysitter, and you know, on sold crack, sold car, on and on, like yeah, crazy life in Atlanta. Um, and what I did for that one and continue to do for another three months uh, is I've gone through every interview he's ever done, every podcast, and put it all together, uh, try to kind of get a sense of 
the things I can understand and maybe the ones I don't, he'll fill in sure. at the end. Um, some of it's just like seeing who you can get. Um, okay. For too soon, we kind of cast a wide net and wanted to cover a good like 20 years yeah. of what happened in comedy after 9-11. And right. up, up through Pete Davidson, up through John Stewart, uh, right. helping push through the 9-11 responders bill. And a lot of people didn't want to do it, uh, but it was just kind of how, how can you tell this story in the most accurate way possible? Right, right. Um, other stuff, um, I know I said I wouldn't mention it, but like I'm, <laughs> I am working on a Mark Maron documentary, and that one's Beautiful. completely different because I'm not as um, involved with the day-to-day of it. I'm more mm-hmm. crafting the story and staying out of his, uh, you know, eyeline eye <laughs> and trying to just, like, let's cause the least amount of problems as possible. Right, right. So it's just kind of adapting whatever the case is and whatever's going to make the best story, I guess. Yeah. That's a tough question. It's, can I tell you, like, I'm so – this is going to – uh, it seemed like I'm blowing smoke up your ass, but I'm not. Um, I'm so like, I'm so glad that you're doing this kind of stuff. Cause it's like, I think there's only a handful. I, I love to, <clears throat> not just cause I'm a comedy nerd, but I really do like that. Somebody's kind of documenting, documenting these periods, whether they're just writing about it or making movies about it or whatever, because I really like to see the way, I think it's important to see the way people handle things. Like if, if it's comedians, even if it's entertainers or whatever, because I think, uh, we all have a hard time processing in um, grief or maybe how we're feeling or whatever it is. Like, that's the thing that I think is so weird about uh, people coming after comedians sometimes because we have this entire generation that seems to be very um, pro mental health and conversation, but they don't seem to very much acknowledge the fact that comedy is a lot, is a way that people process their grief and mental health and laughing at the things that are scary kind of relieve them of the pressure of having it you know weigh on them and being that scary so it's weird i feel like that all the time they're like mental health is very important you should talk about it you should do these certain things but some of them are like but don't laugh at it (laughs) and they're like what that's the whole you know but for you to be putting this stuff together is great because i i like it i enjoy it i like watching it and i think it kind of opens other people's eyes to like yeah there's things that are really shitty but they don't have to be that shitty for that long um and then, but there's guys, so like, I don't know if you talk to other comedy stories necessarily, but like, I always think of like Paul Provenza, there's you, I always thought of, um, Mike Binder's doing, you did that comedy store documentary, um, which is eh. fin- <laughs> wait, <laughs> was it? To, what were you about to say? I would love to get your opinion on that because there's a mixed, so, so here's, here's one of the I, things. I have a mixed reaction. Yeah. So I have a, oh, do you? Okay, great. Cause I would love to talk to you about that. Um, but him, uh, Dan Pasternak, I know has been doing like a bunch of great stuff. Yay. And then now, uh, John Apatow and Michael Bonfiglio, who I went to the Carlin premiere. Um, nice. that was a fucking phenomenal one, but I know they're working on other comedians documentaries. So I just want more, more yeah. comedy, like more deep dives in these people's lives. And like, cause I love the Shandling one, um, yes. that That's he did. Great. Oh God. That was so fun. Good. I wasn't, there were two Robin Williams ones that came out. The one that is. New Wife did, I didn't like that much because I I felt like, um, yeah, I don't I don't know. I didn't like it and I felt like it wasn't true. Like it wasn't real. Like I, I can't explain it, but it wasn't that great. Then there was one that some other um, 
comedy. I think she was a comedy journalist. Did it was really great. Did you see? Um, it was called. Um, oh my god, uh, come inside my mind. I think. Yeah, that's. I think that's the better one too. That's the better one. And I like that <laughs> one, but also I feel like, um, you know, it wasn't like the Carlin one. Like the the Shandling and the Carlin one went deep, deep into who they kind of were. And I would love to see somebody else kind of take a crack at like a, a Robin Williams or like one of those guys, any of you kind of take a crack at it. Cause I just think, I don't know. There was, there was, it was a really good one, but there was definitely like, I think they cut out some stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. There's um, a, there's another secret documentary that's kind of going to come slated after Marin that I definitely can't talk about. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I think you will be very pleased. Sweet. Uh, whatever. Like give it, give it a couple months. All um, right. Yeah, but it's yeah. So there's like the, and then the Brody thing, Marin. Yeah, yeah the Brody thing is gonna be it's fucking all, great uh, too. I'm trying to like line them all up in my mind chronologically of what's happening when. Uh, Can I tell you the first yeah. time I met Brody? Sure. First time I met Brody was the first time I I moved to L.A. and um, I was friends with Carl Above because when I started doing comedy, he had me open for him. Uh, uh, for like early on in the beginning or whatever because he took I don't know why he did but he did and then so I moved to LA and I was like hey man I know you're out in Vegas like I just moved to LA like I don't know if you're gonna be in town and he was in town and then he was like um have you been to the comedy store yet and I was like no not yet but like I'm planning I, I just did like the ice house but I'm like I'm planning on going and he's like wait and he's like come with me um and Alan Stephen and I was like holy <laughs> shit and I was like, he's like, do you know Alan? I'm like, no, I don't know Alan. He's like, are right, you going to come with me and Alan Steven? You're going to come to the comedy store. You're going to come at this time. Be there then. And I was like, okay. And I get there and it's like midnight, you know, it, but it's him, Alan Steven, Brian. Um, um, oh my God, I'm blanking on his fucking name. Uh, oh shit. Um, uh, uh, he's crazy. Um, Red Band. Marino. No, no. <laughs> No, 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 uh, wait. Is it Brian? God Simpson. fucking damn it. No, no, no. He's like a, he's like Moses. a, um, Brian Moses. No. <laughs> Brian. No, it's not even Brian. No, it is Brian Holtzman. Brian Holtzman. 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 Okay. So it's, it's Carl Allen, Brian Holtzman, um, um, uh, Gary something or whatever. Fuck me. Family. No, no. And then, uh, Gary Mule Deer. <laughs> I love this game. I don't even know what it is. It's so great. Gary uh, Del, Del, Delabate. That's it. Um, or de, no, Delay. Uh, 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 Del Delabate, the uh, Alan Stern producer. I know. I was like, no, it's um, it is Del. It's Del, no Del Rey. Del uh, Del. Fuck Dean me. Del Rey. Dean Del Rey. Maybe that was who was on stage at the time. Carl starts heckling him. Alan gets on the other side of the room. Starts doing the same shit. They are now all in, like just just shouting at each other from the back of the stage because there's like you know it's in the main room. Brody Stevens walks in, he's filming the whole thing on his cell phone. He starts fucking shouting from the back of the room, and then Brian Holtzman all. So now they're all just they're all just fucking firing at each other, going back and forth, and it was the and and uh, it was just the the best wildest fucking shit. And then Carl just kind of introduced me to Brody, and then we're all talking and hanging out, and and it was it was it was my first time there. So he was just nuts. I didn't expect Brody to pop back in. I didn't even know he was there. And all of a sudden, but he got like, so when he was doing it, he was like, they were all kind of fucking around. He knew he was doing it. And he decided to just be angry guy. Like, how come no one did this when I was on? Like, <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? No one calls me. And we all thought, I was like, is he fucking serious? Uh, <laughs> but he obviously was just kicking around. But it was amazing. It was a lot of fun. And that was my first time at the comedy store. 
Wow, that's a, yeah. that's a really good one. My it first, was nuts. My first time ever there, I think, was like 2007. I was living in Vegas. Oh, wow. Right, writing for Las Vegas Weekly. And there was a local rap group called Los Marijuanos. Wow. Um, okay. That was doing a benefit a medical marijuana benefit show at the comedy store and I, I i rode out with them in their van and went to the this weed show that was like the entire main room lobby was filled with like all this uh uh homemade edibles at that time <laughs> you know what i mean yeah, like yeah, at that yeah. time <laughs> and there was like a little um somebody had uh pot ice cream and one of the flavors was Los Marijuanos Mint, named <laughs> named after this band. So I'm like, well, I have to eat the ice cream. Yeah. So yeah. so I ate the tub of ice cream. And notice I said tub of ice cream. <laughs> I was like. <laughs> Which I thought was Amazing. a serving. <laughs> Not the case. Not the case. And so I was high for like five days going back to Vegas. <laughs> I remember... Uh, Rogan was on that show. Doug wow. Benson, Nikki Glazer, who I knew oh, from man. Missouri. Um, oh, nice! That was my first time there, and I was high for five days. Oh my <laughs> god, so fucking great! <laughs> <laughs> I was high for five days because uh, I ate too much <laughs> weed ice cream. Weed ice cream. I've never had weed ice cream. That sounds amazing. Don't eat the whole container. <laughs> 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 it's not one serving. Yeah. Um, also, feel like it, it's it's worse for small people. Um, I yeah. assume, yeah, I feel like that would kill us both. Uh, if we, sure. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But um, like Brody, I remember, God, I, I hung out with him and over the years, like New York, Boston, Grand Rapids, uh, Vegas. And of course LA at the comedy store. And, um, yeah, I had done, uh, I, I'd written two other things about him since he passed away. And so this Sirius XM project on him uh, that I did turn in that airs in February is like the third and I think final because I can't. Uh, I, I think I'm done with the Brody stuff. It's too much. Yeah. It's just because he was good. such a complicated person. Totally. And what you're saying about like, is he just fucking around yelling? Dude. Like sort of, but also yeah. not. That's what I was told after the fact. I was you know? like, oh man, that was so crazy because I really thought he was <laughs> thought he was like angry, and a couple of people were like, well, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, yeah. oh, all right. He he was definitely very complicated, and the, yeah, um, like I talked to uh, his best friend Tata Manu, Esther Kravitsky, uh, uh, Howard Kramer. Wow. Uh, who else is on it? Don Barris. Oh, nice. Don's great. Uh, Jeff Ross, Chelsea Handler. I'm missing people. Uh, Ron Reed, who used to book the Seattle Underground, mm -hmm. gave him his first stage time. Wow. Uh, yeah, and it's just, again, like, as depressing as a project can get about comedy. Yeah. Uh, but also, like, good and, I think, helpful and definitely kind of helping us, like, foster conversation. Nice. Around the about mental side mental. of, yeah. yeah, the mental health side of comedy like you were mentioning that's um, important because yeah. he really like stuff changed when he died it really sure. did absolutely like you see a lot more people um like checking in on each other within the community and all the signs posted like at every club about call this number and we want to support you and 
yeah that he no. it's it's so horrible to say but like he really did like leave us with this kind of change so it's, i guess yeah, i guess there's a silver lining but it's still really yeah, bizarre not seeing him at the comedy uh comedy store it's definitely right. a different vibe yeah yeah i mean and, and the thing is i'm glad the check-in stuff because i always used to you know I, I never i hate i always used to hate when people would put those numbers arbitrarily and like hey if you're feeling sad call and i would always gonna do like yes do that but also just fucking check in on your friends because if you're that sad you're not like your brain's telling you you there's no reason to call so just i'm glad to hear that people are checking in more and more because that's a that's a thing that i think people never realize either it's like no one, no one's sad or or that deep in is like, hey, let me call this number because I deserve to live. You know, it they're they're not doing that. So just fucking call your friends who are yeah. you know are prone to shit and, and check in on them. Yeah, there's definitely. Yeah. Um, oh, and also Brody's manager Dave Rath is in the series. Oh, like, nice too. But there's there's a few different people on it who say like, I don't know if a phone number would have helped Brody. You know, exactly. Like, it doesn't. <clears throat> Like if that's the only resource we're really gonna have, um, might need yeah. to work out a little bit more. So it's probably kind of a morbid question, but like, is it harder for you to do it to do a a, a piece on somebody who is passed than it is if they're alive to get in, information? Like not information, but like if you're doing a documentary or something like that. Like, is it worse when they're gone? Is it harder for you, or is it is it like you know? I mean, obviously there's perspectives that are missing because they're not around, but are people more willing to give you information and maybe go and in, in, like dig deeper about it? Or what's the, what's the protocol for that? I, yeah, there are legal aspects do become a little bit easier. Um, mm. Like with too soon, uh, there was like two different people who we show clips from in the movie who like died during the process of the film. Oh wow. Um, wow. Or, yeah, that's gotta be, yeah. Yeah, or there was a, a part where um Mike um oh god. Uh, no, no, no. Oh, Vec <laughs> no. um Vecchione. Uh, Tyson. Who the who <laughs> <laughs> I love this game. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I think I know who you're talking about. Was it the dude who passed away from um AIDS? The heart, the heart, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's this, Mike who um... stand, who the stand is named after. Oh or my like God. model model after basically. Yes. Um, What's his last name? God damn it. Fucking um wait, it's um I love this <laughs> like, dude. He's one of the best. Um uh, uh we all know I, him. I got he, this. I'm dead. gonna well De Stefano. De Stefano. Um like <sighs> there was there was a part in Too Soon where he's on stage at Caroline's and talking about like be more patriotic, punch a cab driver in the head. <laughs> In the in the aftermath of 9-11. And uh, you know, another one of our interviewees, Dino Badala, yeah, was like, I love Mike, but you can't say this on right. stage. And there was gonna be a legal issue of like, I think we need to skip this. And I'm like, but Mike's dead. And they're like, fine. Oh wow, <laughs> yeah. So stuff like that. Right, right. Um That's in the case of Brody, I think this is the first like I did write two pieces about him but this mm -hmm. is the first kind of more bigger project project sure that will come out about him and his life um so I think people were willing to participate in that nice yeah 
And yeah, then that's gotta be true too. I guess if they're if they're all like if he's passed on, maybe they're not worried so much about saying something that might have you know, they can speak more honestly about the person, especially yeah. when they were going through some stuff. Yeah, and both I, I checked with Dave Rath and Brody's sister Stephanie mm-hmm. before I ever started on this and nice. wanted to make sure they were both, you know, supportive and if they had any things they did want to include, did not want to include. Um, you know, Stephanie's who, who represents the Bro, you know, Brody family. Mm-hmm. Um, they basically just wanted to highlight mental health outreach. So that's another reason why people were like, yes, this is yeah. a good cause. Um, that's great. Yeah. I don't know why I'm drawn to the, yeah, I, I think with the dead people, it's just the ability to like provide a full story. I, but that's, that's really important though. Cause I don't yeah. think that, that, I think people, one, a lot of the times needed for closure. And two, if you're like a fan of somebody's in a, in a, in a serious way, a fan of them, you want to have the full picture of someone's life. Mm-hmm. That's how you know people yeah. are fans, by the way, when you can hear somebody's entire life story and still walk away going, I love that dude or yeah. that woman or this person, you know, their shit. That, again, that's like when I was a kid and I, and I would like, uh, you know, read about, cause I did anytime I liked uh, an actor, an actress or whatever, or I found out they were a comedian. And I would read about them a little more, even if I found out their lives were fucked up or like Richard Pryor, especially if like he did some fucked up shit. I don't know, man. It just endeared me to them even more. I was just like, cool. This person can really, because, you know, I was a kid. I was like, cool. I didn't do my Spanish homework. And also this guy shot at two women running into a car. It's the same thing. <laughs> it's, you know, I'm an artist. We're all a little fucked up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I'm no good at math. And, uh, you know, you're like, Coke, and it's fine. It's fine. We're all yeah. the same. Or for, uh, so- uh, like, Jack Vaughn, who's the head of uh, Sears XM comedy programming. And, then, you know, back in the day, he founded Comedy Central Records. And, yeah. like, he's been in comedy, you know, 20 years himself. Right. And when I pitched this to him, he wanted to, uh, like, there's a lot of people who didn't get Brody. <laughs> And he confessed to being one of them. So what he wanted out of it was like, explain to me why people loved him so much. And I think that's part of these projects too, of really, like I have this kind of insider perspective about what makes certain comics unique, Mm -hmm. um, you know, why, why they're, very singular in this profession and i like telling people about that (laughs) like i'm always slightly when i was writing more stuff um you know i had like bridget everett on the cover of la weekly like three years before anybody else like i'm I'm slightly a little too far ahead (laughs) (laughs) i got the answer just delay your articles yeah or um i remember god whatever um year pete davidson had new faces oh yeah. yeah and i was up there and i was like talking to him i'm like I, sh- I think i should probably like do something on this this kid for the village voice mm-hmm. literally the next week he was announced for snl wow and i'm like god damn it i should i was like a little slightly right yeah i just i just try to tell people about the good stuff and yeah. sometimes it's too early and no one wants it like you know i i should have been writing for the la times like 10 years ago instead of now yeah <laughs> like like why didn't you come to me like i tried to 
pitched so many people there and right. it never yeah. worked out. And then when they finally came, you know, oh, hey, you're like a comedy journalist. Can you? Yeah. Need... I'm like, I needed this 10 years ago. I'm on yeah. to other things. Listen, every other day I'm thinking about quitting. So if you have any feelings about me, let me know ahead of time. Because then I can, <laughs> I can stave off a couple months of anguish and anxiety and some, you know, deep depression there. Uh, <laughs> um, that's that, seriously, that's like, that's, those are, those are going to be like the best instincts ever, like to have for that kind of shit. And like, uh, they're also pretty frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, okay. I mean, I can see but that no, too. I'm, I'm trying to think of the positive you, side of it. I'm telling you, Michael Chay's gonna be somebody. Listen to me. <laughs> Listen to me. And they don't. No, that fucking sucks. <laughs> um, and then, I real quick before we uh, peace out, because I know I kept you a little over an hour now. Um, but uh, the Mike Binder documentary. What was your? Because I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I did at the time. <laughs> at, the, at the time when the pandemic hit, it made me feel somewhat good about comedy just because seeing the comedy store through the decades go through comedy's dead comedy's not dead the comedy store is dead it's not dead because at the time when that came out or a little bit before that came out people were like the pandemic's killed comedy it's over and you know you didn't know i was like oh man maybe that's right and then i saw this little time capsule of like you know through through the through a couple decades where i was like oh they were fucking saying that in 73 and (laughs) it's you know it's still fine anyway sorry go ahead so you uh do i want I, uh, it's up to you. I, I, I like You're already first... trashed Vulture, so you might as well keep going. <laughs> I have so many issues with Vulture. Um, <laughs> Me too. Per- I'm personal, so glad to hear that. personal, professional. I've been personally fucked by them. Anyway, oh, um, I, I like the first episode and a third of the Comedy Store documentary mm-hmm. when it was like actually telling the early story and the yes. strike, and then everything else after that was like not a story. Right. It was like. Joe Rogan, yeah. door guys. <laughs> um, Letterman was here. The end. Like what? What happened to the story? Like what? Oh it was just God. this random shit that was complete. Like even when it aired, it was out of date. Yeah. Like, and we have we have Adam Egit, the talent booker, to thank for all of this. And when it aired, he was like gone. So yeah. <laughs> Like what happened to Mitzi and Polly and Peter and then they right. went to court and then they were going to like turn the store into a parking lot. <laughs> and like, where, where's that story? Yeah. None of that yeah. was in there. I absolutely agree. It did take a weird <laughs> turn. I wrote it off as just like, I was like, Oh, he, he had to rush it because of the pandemic. But I love that you were like, Rogan, Dorga. Cause it really was like, <laughs> I thought I missed, swear to God, I thought I missed that episode. I was like, Holy fuck. Like I thought I was watching this every Sunday. <laughs> And then, oh, this is gonna get me in so much trouble. And then the last episode, when it was, I'm Mike Binder and I'm back at the store and here's what I think about it. What? <laughs> Who cares a fuck? Like, I don't care. You're no one. And your documentary is bad. And now you're gonna reflect on it for an hour. And they're gonna air it on Showtime. <laughs> like what? So I called it. I called it the Mike Minder show. Whenever. It was oh God. Airing. Like I'm not gonna make you think I'm gonna put myself in the comedy store liner notes. What the right, fuck? Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Fucking hilarious, man. That is. That is. I did. I. Yeah. He touched on a lot of good points there. Oh, God, please, a, I, edit, I a, please edit all of this. I, <laughs> all it's going to look like is you going, Mike Binder. So <laughs> <good."> like, <it's, laughs> like all really choppy. 
I'm like, her connection really broke up toward the end. We don't know what happened. Uh, you're definitely not going to wind up on his new blog page. Uh, <laughs> we might. But, yeah. No, who knows? I don't know. Whatever. Maybe. He was like, we're going to put you on there. And I was like, all right. Uh, and happened. the Saget thing was terrible, too. And the billboard <laughs> thing is terrible, too. And it's just bad. Like, you're supposed to be a director, and it looks like fucking garbage. And why are you in everything that you make? <laughs> I I think I Does think Jed Apatow just... uh, like put it like yeah. Well, it's kind of different with him because we yeah, know yeah, who yeah. he is. No one knows who Mike Langer is, right? Oh my god. Maybe I should I... say Bonfiglio. Does Does Michael Bonfiglio insert himself? True. Into his documentaries about comedians? No. True. I think I just. I'm gonna be canceled. Fallen. No, I, I think I just fell in love with you. Um, that was uh, purely, that was like the most honest, like, like because I have people on who beat around the bush about it because he's still, you know, they're like, maybe my client will come to one of my shows and hang out and film me on a cell phone. Um, but, you know. <laughs> Dude, so at the Saget thing, I was there when he, I was there that night when it was filmed. Okay. Um, it was supposed to be, let me get this right. It was supposed to be doors at six o'clock, show starts at seven. Yeah. So everyone's lined up outside for this big Bob Saget thing. And they don't open the doors until 7.30. Wow. So you've got people standing outside for this thing for an hour and a half. And it's just what, I know it has nothing to do with how it actually turned out, but like those are the kind of things that you need to consider. Yeah, yeah. When yeah. you're like filming something in front of an audience, right? That is going to hate you when they're finally let inside, right? No matter who died. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, that's fucked up. I didn't know that at all. He yeah. he came on and like we we wound up on TMZ because he. Um, I'm in so much trouble now. Okay. Yeah. No, this is going to be great. <laughs> He, he, for whatever reason, didn't tell me he was going to do this, but he was like, oh, I just, you know, I want to tell you guys something that nobody else knows. And he, he dropped a clip of the, um, of, it was the Chris Rock, memorial. Jeff Ross, John Mayer, and yeah. um, uh, Jim Carrey on stage together. Um, and, you know, it was that little clip or whatever. And TMZ snagged it and it went everywhere. The day, I think, at, like, right, I think, it, I think TMZ hit it at 4 a.m. It was like, on dystopia tonight, Mike Binder reveals yada yada. And I go to my emails and I and I see an email from him after that night going, Hey, might not be a good idea to release that clip. Uh if you and I was like, like my stomach dropped immediately. I was like, oh God, oh God, yeah, I'm gonna get he's gonna fire, like whatever. And then I just like I was it was fine. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I ruined I I don't know what to do with any of that. I'm like, it's already out there and I'm sorry. And he was like, yeah, ah, it's fine. But it was just like, I just thought it was hilarious that I just didn't, you know, I didn't release it though. Like that was the other thing too. Like I didn't put the, uh, the episodes don't go up until a week later anyway. So it was kind of, yeah, you know, I don't know, whatever. Um, the but, more. but the, yeah, this is the problem. Like if you don't want it out there, then don't talk about it. That's called off the record, you know, like in journalism. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it. Um, I'm going to, add, wait, do we have a question, Tom? We do, we do. The more said, uh, top notch review, by the way, of the comedy <laughs> documentary. You enjoyed it? Rogan, <laughs> Rogan, door guys. I he's, really, he's I, back and he brought the store back to life. And when it aired, 
he'd moved to Austin. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was old when it aired. Like, oh, fucking hilarious. So, and um, here, here's 20 minutes on Annie Lederman for no, I was Letterman, fucking... Letterman, Letterman, for, for no reason other than like she's hot and I'm just gonna like show her for 20 minutes. Like, yeah. why was she? Yeah, man. She's I... great. I love her. She's hilarious. Yeah. Why did she have her own twenty minutes section from? I yeah. That's what all the, all the guys who were like on like I had a bunch of those old you know the comics that like were raised in the comedy store basically who watched Polly Shore when he was a baby like that kind of shit we were talking about and they kind of were saying the same shit they were like yeah and then it was like fucking you know owed to the new guys like who don't even like I don't even know the what the fuck was that about like because it was funny they did like ten minutes on like um, Freddie Prinze. And the story behind why he killed himself, and then just dropped it. <laughs> we're like, we're like, we're like, what, what happened there? And then they were kind of like blaming each other and getting kind of emotional. And they were like, oh, mm-hmm. the next episode's gonna be, you know, fine. and then nothing. And then it just completely disintegrated yeah. into these like vignettes of random. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. now, and now we need to sell tickets. Um, <laughs> I was like, well, oh, I'm right. trying to remember, like. When that was that that was 2020, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was 2020. I'm trying to remember all the things I hated about it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I will probably try to pitch like a like just a Mitzi duck. Ooh, um, yeah. Because she was just such a phenomenal like businesswoman and kind of created right. the industry on the Hollywood side of things as we know it today in the modern right. world of comedy. So that might be a thing, but. It's not gonna have like door guys and shit in it. Like, I love your uh, your vendetta against door guys, though. Uh, no, I love the door. I'm just, I was just like so. Yeah, like, it's weird. None of, like here's all that... the people highlighted as door guys at this moment, and none of them were even like there anymore. Right. <laughs> or they moved on from comedy, or were traumatized by it, or were like, yeah, I just needed a job while my parents were away, and. <laughs> well, just, like it was a whole new crop of like if you went to the store to see the door guys that were highlighted in the film they were already gone for like yeah. a couple yeah. of years and also i think i know what they were trying to do but that shit does not have like that's the thing that i loved about the pandemic is that it kind of deflated the the shit the comedy clubs were hanging on to since the 80s like the idea that they cultivated uh, new talent in any way and maybe like got them seen by people which does not happen just to, like that was a specific time in, in comedy and in show business where that shit happened and that's fine but they rode that fucking wave and just manipulated people for so long about just comedians in general and then the pandemic hit and people were like we don't really need the comics like like they got so many other young comics like now like more than ever after the pandemic because they have no choice. Like one, they figured out they also don't have to pay these people anyway either. But like, they're not they're not doing anything. They're not doing any business. And like everybody that's online that cultivated shit over the three years we were in law, you know, whatever, they had to bring them in whether they wanted to or not. Now, so you do see a bunch of you, which is great. That's fine. But I like that the comedy clubs were forced to because, yeah, you're not what you you're not doing that anymore. There's like five. There's like the comedy seller, the comedy store um you know uh comedy and magic the improvs are but the improvs are an industry you know they're a franchise so like they're just doing well no matter what but like there's like five actually five clubs that still have that kind of you know we can make your career we've got shit going on that kind of stuff and the rest are just you know relics from the and they're nice i i get it 
I understand the history and that they're there, but they're not making anybody anymore. Yeah. You know, yeah, the yeah. Comic, comic strip isn't fucking cranking out stars anymore. Not that I have anything. I don't know why I said them twice. I don't mean specific vendetta <laughs> against them. <laughs> Apparently I do now. Uh, <laughs> didn't know about that one, but yeah. <clears throat> so, the more did have a question. So he was asking about the Too Soon documentary. Ah, what, yes. was, what was the best question you got while pitching the doc or from somebody who saw it? The number one question we got as we were making it was, are you going to include Steve Ranazizi? Oh. And wow. we ultimately did, did not because mm -hmm. it was following actual stand-up comedy after 9-11. Right. <laughs> not fake stuff that happened after 9-11. Oh, so hilarious. it would have been this whole 10-minute diversion of explaining... Then he said this, but he didn't. But like, right. I'm not yeah. sure that's an, yeah. So we left him out. And then. I'm glad, yeah, it would have detracted from it. A, a couple weeks ago, um, Eleanor Kerrigan had me on the Comedy Store podcast to talk about the, the liner notes in the Comedy Store 50th anniversary box set that's out. And they threw Steve Ranazizi in there with me. And. Oh, God. He's like, you did a what? You did what? And he was like, I don't know if I can. <laughs> but I was also kind of mad that he got thrown in there with me without any notice either. But, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. sort of that sort of harkens back to the very beginning of this conversation of like, let's put them together and see what happens. Yeah, yeah like yeah. I'm not. I don't care to do that. I would like. No, to I agree. Focus. I don't like doing that shit either. Yeah, I want to focus um, on the facts, on the story. But real quick, we are going to bring Mike Binder in. Uh, if you can <laughs> real quick though. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I hate that. Uh, so, I, uh, kidding. Um, yeah. I'm gonna but ask I feel, you that, I, I don't like yeah, it sucks that he did it, but I yeah. is he is he canceled? I don't know. No, especially not by comedian. You would think the, the people that would be angry about it would be actual comics, but they seem to be, yeah. you know, pretty chill with him for some reason. So um Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um <laughs> I'm gonna ask you the three questions that I ask every guest around the show. Uh but thanks for coming on and like doing this. I really appreciate it because you're oh, fucking yeah. awesome and uh Thank you so much. And, we had to reschedule you two. Um, so I'm all worked up now about. Like, oh, good. I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gonna make a documentary about this, and I'm gonna make so much better. I'm gonna make a documentary about Mike Binder, and I'm gonna make low. I need to chill and just focus on my own stuff. This is the advice we're trying to give. I need to take it myself. What a Why am I worried lady. about? Why am I worried about other people's documents? Yeah, I can only right. control my own thing. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. and your, yours will last, and theirs will not. That from your lips to Atel's ears. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm titling this episode now. Um, so, <laughs> That's my that's my way of saying he's God. Yeah, like, no, I get it. Yeah, that makes total sense. They should remake um, Oh God with Atel as God. Too bad he's a bad actor. <laughs> but, but we love it. That? Like everyone loves it. No, he knows he's a bad actor. Have you seen Pootie Tang? Yeah. Just, like, <laughs> so first thing I thought was like, oh yeah, say it. We uh, love Dave. We all yeah, absolutely Dave so much. Fucking hilarious. Um, okay, so three questions. Uh, first one, kind of a softball. If you can go back in time and talk to your younger self, what piece of advice would you give yourself that would help you today? Oh God. Um, 
bit out of journalism earlier, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> don't try to don't try to save it single handedly and waste like years of your life. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I would. Um, but the thing is that I feel like there's and, and comics kind of might have this too, like. I think comedians do comedy because they have to. Yeah. Like, there's no option yeah. for other things. Like, I'm not, I'm not good at anything other than <laughs> giving my opinion about comedy. Really? Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I can't have a day job. I can't be around an office environment. Uh, so, I would say just like, any advice to any younger selves or younger people, like what do you feel you have to do? Hmm. I like that. And understand that there are going to be trade-offs. Right. You know, anytime you're following dreams, uh, it, it does come with some downsides and you got to be prepared for those. Nice. Yeah. Love it's it. Kind of universal, but it's true. No, that's great. I mean, that's uh, the more universal, the better, too, because I really like the idea of I, I, I like the guests that I've definitely had on this show. I kind of like I kind of always like the interconnectivity between them, because I'm sure they wouldn't even imagine like, like, let's say you and, and Glenn from Toad the Wet Sprocket probably had if you said the same thing, who would know who would know, but you said it here and it's nice. And it's people aren't that different. Um, I don't know if Glenn actually said it, I can ask him. But uh, there's <laughs> but there's a thing. So uh, second question is, um, what had to end in your life, good or bad, that led you to where you are today? Mm. Hmm. I th think that there can be uh, a lot of, as you're following these dreams, uh, lies you can tell yourself hmm. about... Hmm. Uh, it'll be okay, it'll work out, I'll figure it out. And on one hand, that's true, but you also do need plans. <laughs> yeah. For sure. <laughs> you can't just like, I'm going to move to New York and not really have a job and put your rent on credit cards. And Ooh, just, I might that. be speaking from personal experience. No, I've yeah, yeah. done the same. Uh, so I would say... Uh, and it also comes along the lines of, you know, being raised in rural Missouri, uh, grew mm. up very conservative, uh, very Republican. Uh, at some point, you do have to let go of like, this is not the life I'm choosing to live. Right. You know. Yeah. Uh, you have to be very honest with yourself about what it's going to take to <laughs> do the things you want to do. Yeah. Uh, and stop like listening to what other people tell you because it's all, again, a lot of gray area out yeah. there. There's no hard and fast rules for anything. Love that. So let go of you know, any ideas about like, this is what people think I should be doing on this project, in this life, uh, that's definitely gotta be let go of as soon as possible. Beautiful. Um, and Depressing. Then, oh, <clears throat> no, no, but it's, <laughs> but it's true. It's absolutely true. And it's kind of uplifting because I think it's nice to hear somebody who's successful say it. 
Um, and then uh, <laughs> it's so funny because I really, I really only became like successful last year. <laughs> <laughs> you were like, okay. um, I've been, I've been so broke and so uh, just not having like any sense of am I gonna be okay? Oh man! Until like literally last year. So wow, um, I did not know that though. That's interesting. Um, because it's weird uh, when you free, know about freelance people. writing is not a well-paying job. That's true. Newsflash. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> that's true. Um, so the you want to get you want to get paid for a, a blog content post that <laughs> it's not yeah you're no. not it's not a good life. Right. Understand. Yeah, <laughs> I get it. Um, so the last question is uh, tied into the show. If this was a genuine dystopia, more so than it is now, uh, and we had either a government collapse or your choice of a government collapse, aliens, zombies, a comet headed toward Earth, climate change finally hits, whatever it is, you wake up um, and you find out it's everybody's last day on Earth. What would be your epic death? How do you want to go out? And what's happening? <laughs> I would probably stay inside and try to like watch the golden girls or something. <laughs> oh, that's I'm not going outside in that. <laughs> yeah, I, no, don't. I don't. Even trying to like get out and say goodbye to people. Are there people I need to say goodbye? Probably not. Like there's. <laughs> <laughs> that's so great. <laughs> Just you, your dog and the golden girls. I love it. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Who's your favorite um, golden girl? Wait, which golden girl are you? Well, B. Arthur. Hello. Come on. <laughs> I mean, please. <laughs> oh, that's so great. Are you even asking? What? I know, I know. You're right. I just want to make sure you knew. Yeah. Like, what if you were like Delu? You're like, I'm a, I'm a Blanche. Uh, <laughs> I was like, you want me to play this interview back for you? Uh, <laughs> I would like. Uh, I kind of want to see what the, the status is on uh, the B. Arthur estate, and maybe try to do Ooh. like a B. Arthur documentary. She's so great. Jeff Ross She's had a great the best. B. Arthur story. Oh yeah, I've I've, um, I've I've actually like talked to him about doing it. With oh, me. <laughs> that's great. Oh yeah, she's she's so great. She's amazing. Um, yeah, the the tentative working title would be B. Arthur's Dick <laughs> from the Jeff Ross story. Um, Do you know Jim like, Valley? Jim Valley. He's um. He's a comic back in the day uh, uh, with a stand-up duo called The Funny Boys. He's a great guy. And he also um, um, uh, was, uh, um, oh, my God, he was a writer for The Golden Girls for a few years. And he also um, was the head writer for uh, Arrested Development with, um, oh, my God, I'm blanking on his fucking name. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll cut it in. Uh, but, you know, like, God, what is going on? I just have no idea. Jason I'm, Bateman. I'm, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love David this. Cross. Uh, Por no. Porsche. From, yeah, the guy uh, who created it. Mitch Hurwitz. Yes, Mitch Hurwitz. Holy shit. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So he wrote it with him and, uh, you know, was the executive producer on it and stuff. He's a great guy. But he, he's got some phenomenal fucking uh, Golden Girls VR other story. So if you're looking for anybody to, I can yeah. set you up with him. Well, Michael Patrick King was like an early oh, yeah. on that. And then he did like Sex in the City. and Yeah. yeah. We just had Sue Kalinske on, who's like BFFs with Michael Patrick King and wrote on the on um, Sex in the City and had some Ooh. fantastic stories about Ellen. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really? 
I mean, it was it was pretty great. It was pretty great. As somebody who was a, a you know an Ellen denier for a bit, uh, mm. you know, you grow up with something. You're like, oh my god, not that I grew up with her, but you know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> grew up yeah. with Ellen, and we were tight as fuck. Um, but you know, yeah. So I was just like, oh my god, Sue was hilarious, and the stories were pretty great. Yeah, she I mean, this this would be like five or six projects down the road but yeah yeah, yeah. awesome <laughs> um well seriously you're fucking awesome i hope you can come back on again whenever you whenever you want really you know just let me know you're like this is never happening again uh, <laughs> never again um but yeah anytime you want to come back on and uh i hope to actually meet you in person one day sweet yeah i don't have uh, any new york plans at the moment but yeah when you come out here yeah yeah or you're in la know. sounds good yeah i'll Absolutely. probably be i'll be in la soon I don't go to the East Coast in the winter. That I feel you 100%. I'm literally thinking about going to LA January, February because that's when it's dead. Nothing fun happens. All the holidays are gone and it's just bitter cold. So I'm like, yeah, I should go out then. Totally. Awesome. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. So yeah. Much. We'll, we'll oh. talk soon. Absolutely. Take care. Bye. 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 Bye.